Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Leif Volebeck is a talented songwriter, singer, and multi-instrumentalist based in Montreal, Quebec. Originally from just outside of Ottawa, Volebeck has released three excellent records, including 2017's Twin Solitude, which is out now via Secret City Records, and was a shortlist nominee for the 2017 Polaris Music Prize. Leaf and I recently connected for an extensive conversation about each and every song on Twin Solitude, which took us to some really unexpected and fascinating places. Sponsored by Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Leif Volebeck on the 344th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Slip into the ether Don't want to tell anybody what to do Ain't the one to give advice to you The kind I know you won't listen to Cause I never listened either Hi Leaf, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm really well, I'm really well, where are you? I'm, I'm on my couch uh, in my apartment in Montreal I'm about to go to Denver, Colorado tomorrow <laughs> Oh, you're going on way on tour, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, Well, it's a weird tour, we're doing a I mean, I'm I'm playing solo in Denver tomorrow with this guy Andrew Bird. Oh, and I, know, I, I know Andrew. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, him. We're doing some like radio show on NPR. Or something. Oh well, that sounds like a big deal. Uh, I maybe I think so. I don't know anything, uh, but it seems like it'll be fun, and the show is like uh, really top notch, and yeah, 
it's going to be good, I think. Well, congrats, then, congratulations on that. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But I'm really excited because two days later I go to Halifax and I'm going to play a little festival there and see my, my brother. So it'll be cool. <laughs> yeah. where I, I always think of you as uh, being a guy from Montreal. Where are you from? I'm from Ottawa, uh, two hours the other way. Um, yeah. Two hours yeah. the other way. What does that even mean? Other way well, of what? <laughs> the other way of the coast. <laughs> oh, the other way of uh, Halif. You're too. You're yeah. Okay, I yeah. see. I see. Yeah. And, and I hope. that's where you grew up. I grew up in Ottawa. Yeah, uh, Nepean. Sir John A. McNepean. His 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 namesake. <laughs> oh, I see. You know, we're that. I feel like John A. has been in the news lately, and people aren't happy with what he did it's, because he was a terrible person. Oh my God! It's so complicated. You know, like people, people, I think people were also generally also evil throughout all of history. Yes, and, it's uh, true. To the present day. Yeah, it's true. There's a lot of evil. A, yeah. It's, and now we're. Yeah. And now we're like, oh, shoot. Everybody, everybody, everybody effed up. <laughs> well, I think it's important to recognize evil from the past, but it does seem like also a distraction from what we could be doing. <sighs> wow. These are, this is all true. Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to take us down this road too <laughs> too far. But I just you mentioned you're from Nepean, and yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. Man, I don't know what I don't know what is, is it, Sir John A. Nepean? Am I? Or am I just thinking of McDonald? I think it's. I think they were all named John. I think in the 1800s. oh, is this not is this not Sir John A. McDonald you were referring to? There's a different. No, is that's no, his name, Sir John no, A. Nepean? No, no, no. I don't remember. Okay, is, I thought. No, maybe, no, I don't know. This I is just. <laughs> This is just me. You know, I was totally reading an article on CBC about uh, Johnny McDonald. So maybe I'm just like, no, I think his name was, that would make no sense that it's Johnny. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm looking I'm it really up as you're, I'm looking it up too, because this makes no sense to me. You look it up and we'll figure it out. But I oh. feel like th- there's no way that his name was. His Sir- name is Evan. Evan Nepean? No. Is Sir Johnny McDonald is- from Nepean? No, it's got nothing to do with anything. Oh, oh you just God. you just got the wrong guy. I just went Sir John A. Nepean because there's a school Sir John A. McDonald in Nepean. Oh, so okay. <laughs> you have by the way, by the way, I didn't study history in university. <laughs> uh, so Evan, it's just Evan Nepean. That's a that doesn't Sir Evan Nepean. He okay. was a sir though. Oh, he was a sir. Of, oh, well, that makes more sense then. Sort uh, of. It doesn't maybe. make much. Not really. Does it? No, no. But yeah. it's it's it's, it's hard to be. On top of everything, when you're a traveling guy like you, you know what? Let's just chalk it up to me being plain old stupid. No, I don't think you're stupid. I don't think you're stupid. I just you got confused. They conflated a bunch of things. Your life, uh, your life in Ottawa was good, or in Nepean, um, I should say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's good. There's there's nothing like the allure of of Montreal, the French seductress. Uh, you know, for 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 an Ottawa boy. Yeah. So when did you relocate to Montreal? Um, I think. I was about 21, 20 or something. It took me a while. It took me a while to get around to it. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And, no, and I just, how long ago was that? Um, oh, how old I am? I am 31. So it was like 10 years ago. So you've been, you've been in Montreal 10 years. Yeah, maybe less. I also don't know much about myself. I think maybe it's been <laughs> eight years. <laughs> I think it's been eight years. No, like nine Somewhere between it's either seven or nine. How about that? Let me let me uh, ask you this: When you're filling out your name on a form, do you write Sir John A. Volabek? Is that how that you write your name? That is actually how you pronounce my first name. Sir John A. Sir Not, John A. I've been saying yeah. Leaf. It's actually Sir John, Sir John A. A. Volbeck. Yeah, with a okay. silent Q. Yeah. 
That's <laughs> how you say my name. Well, I, you know, the last time I think I saw you in person, we were both in uh, Guelph Kazoo. many years ago. Yes, that's right. You remember this. That's <laughs> oh, I right. remember. Yeah, it was yeah. a pancake breakfast. It was. <laughs> it you, was. you thought it was humorous. It was, it, it was funny. No, it was good. It was, I remember, I don't, we played, I played, there was no stage. And then, yeah. and it was, uh, who was that? It was, um, ma- ma'am, what, it was something ma'am. I know this. Sir John A. Mann? I don't know. <laughs> Sir John A. Mann. No, uh, not Mothman. Why can't I remember this guy's oh, uh, guy? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was it was like, uh, Marker Starling. <laughs> no, is that what I'm thinking of? Marker Starling was playing with you, I believe. Oh, yeah. But what's his... Ma- Mantler. Well, his Mantler. name... Yeah, he used to go by Mantler, and now... Okay. That's right. Yeah, now it's Marker oh Starling. Yeah, that's right. You know, just so you know, it's 8 p.m., but it feels like 4 in the morning. <laughs> no, no, it's a, no, 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 it's fine. No, no, that was legit. He, he went by Mantler at the time, okay, but good. he's been on the sh- on this show subsequently, and, and the name has changed to Marker Starling. Okay, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, so, there's a band called Man Man, which that, I don't know. That, but I, That's right. But I, I could have remembered that name very easily. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, anyway, that was fun. Yeah, we I, that was uh, many years ago now. I think it was four or five years ago. I feel yeah, like yeah. is that right? It it was at least at least yeah. It feels like another lifetime. Well, and your your music uh, has evolved, uh, I think, quite a bit uh, since uh, I first encountered it, and and that maybe is a nice segue into uh, this discussion about your latest record, Twin Solitude, which I believe we're going to break down a little bit here, song by song. But before we get to that. Tell me about your mentality going from your previous record to this one, because I understand that there was some fogginess. You were not sure how to proceed, and I'm just curious about how all of that, if if that is correct, if that experience informed uh, how you made this record. Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of just noticed that I I'd, I was kind of going down this a certain road, kind of this like kind of folky, you know, harmonica acoustic guitar road, and like started you know internalizing some rules like all songs must be able to be sung on an acoustic guitar um you know just solo acoustic and a voice mm-hmm. otherwise you know um you don't have a song and even to the point where like if you can't um write down the lyrics and it looks like a song and it talks like a song on paper it's not a song like kind of you know the really heavy like i don't know like, like a folk, puritanical folk, folk thing yeah like and i don't know where i picked it up but i th- i felt really strongly about it and i was like, actually found that it wasn't that much fun <laughs> well you, you called uh, your 2013 album north americana yeah and yeah. that that is a and then when you if people listen to that record that's a pretty apt title for what oh, you'd come geez. up with Southern United States By the dream of standing Under the Memphis moon With William Blake painting The Crosby Cooner And his father was a sailor 
maybe I was also trying to like convince people if it wasn't. And I was also trying to figure out, I, I you know, because I was also often called like a folky or like a folk singer, and I didn't really understand because I was like, well, folk songs are like songs that have been around forever, and I don't sing those songs. And then, and then it's like if it's just the sound of an acoustic guitar is folk, then like wasn't that acoustic guitar based? And yeah, I, yeah. You know, I was just like. You know what does it all mean? So I was kind of like, no, I'm I'm Americana, <laughs> you know, like screw it. And like you know the band, I don't know. I always thought about the band in terms of like you know mostly Canadians, but like being because of Levon, they just got to they got their American cred too. Oh, the band band. Oh, I uh, yeah, the band band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the band band. Yeah, I'm a big yeah. I'm a big fan of the band band. My son's uh, my six year old son's name is Levon. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm I mean, a big fan of theirs as well, and I can see the allure. I, I think you were feeding into the same allure that they fed into of uh, maybe Southern, the music of the American South, perhaps, yeah. and, and how that had sort of started to pervade the entire country and continent, frankly. Yeah, and you just kind of like, and but also they did they did it so well. And with Levon Helm, there was like this, there was something about him that was just so salt of the earth that was just able to like make that happen. Like it's kind of weird that Robbie Robertson would write like, you know, night they drivel Dixie down, and and then you know, but but then somehow it all worked, and it all like came off pretty. I mean, I think it came off as pretty sincere. Well, and, and with Ron Hawkins too, Ronnie Hawkins, I should say. Uh, you know, there they there was some appropriation going up there because uh, with the band, I think, and, and and they were trying to figure their own sound out, and then yeah, hooking up with Levon, uh, I'm sure it kind of gave them more credibility. As you're, I think that's what you're trying to say. I, I I think that's what I wanted to say, but I wouldn't have said it because I needed you to help me out. <laughs> <laughs> but so you, you there was so it, it's fair to say that before you you started working on Twin Solitude, there was a slight crisis of faith for you in terms of what you were doing musically. Yeah, well, also I found that it was like harder and harder to play. I mean, it's the classic thing where you're like, I don't want to play my songs anymore, and then you write new ones. Like everybody does that. It's like that's just how it works, you know. But um, it was also just like I found it really hard to play my songs, like, and I found it they weren't uh, fun to play sometimes, and uh, and I needed like kind of cer- to be in a certain mood to play them, and I, I just noticed that I kind of painted myself in a corner, yeah, and I thought that's what nobody, yeah. yeah, and I was like nobody told me to write music like this, like nobody, you know, and I didn't, and at one point I guess I had just told myself to do it, and so. I kind of took a step back and I was like, well, I got to write songs that I want to play. And um, the other thing that was happening was I was like consciously writing a lot. I'd written like tons and tons of songs, but I was like writing them from like this kind of this stupid songwriter brain that I, that I created where, so I would be like, you know, placing a line that sounded good that I'd heard on the, you know, on the subway, like in the song and like constructing something around it, trying to make a narrative and try to like, maybe like write a story, you know, uh-huh, and just uh-huh. kind of, and then I would, and the songs would kind of be dead on the, dead on the page and they'd be dead when I sang them. Almost like I try to, you know, like Frankenstein's monster, just kind of like assemble a song and then, you know, with all the ingredients of a song and hope that it would like come to life. But really I just like dismembered, you know, lyrics and, and put them together. And so I was like, I need to write, um, songs that are, that are, that are going to be natural and that are going to be me and that are going to, you know, that are going to be not so much fun to play, but just easier to play. They come from, uh, from a more like, uh, 
consolidated real place, which is kind of ridiculous to talk about. Well, at, at the same time, it feels <laughs> like there's less structure to your to this record. There are there are hooks, there are choruses, there are f- turns of phrase that recur, but there is a, a different narrative voice here, uh, mm-hmm. which and there's definitely a different tone to the production here that I uh, and I think as we go we will delve into these things I, I would think because uh, there's just a lot to unpack I think here and uh, and I should say that I'm, I'm very fond of this record I, I oh thanks <laughs> it's lovely I put it in the I got a it's still one of the few labels that will send me a compact disc in the mail Oh wow! I'll it, let them know. I'll it, let them know it, that it's Secret City. Yes, yeah, your yeah. label, Secret City, and and yeah. your publicist will send me the CD, which it, it comes in handy because sometimes the only time I can, because I have two children and I'm busy all the time. Yes, I listen to some music on my phone. Yes, I have a turntable, but I like driving. I often drive to certainly to Toronto, and it's just fun to put on CDs in the car. I still have an old car. And yeah. anyway, I put your record on, and it just right away I felt like I was in a different place, and I like. When a record takes me away, and uh, oh, that's nice. The playing is lovely, and well, guys, like I say, we'll get into all of these things. Let's start uh, right now and and talk about uh, the first song as best we can. West London alleyways, San Pedro's valleys, hey, works my mind just like a maze. When I see you around No, honey, you are not a kid You know how to keep it hid And I know just where they're In those buildings downtown What can you tell me about the song Vancouver time. Yeah, it was the it was the first one I wrote for the record. After that, you know, kind of we were talking about just like uh, being like, okay, I need n- new songs and I need something different. And I wrote that one just kind of in like like ten ten fifteen minutes. I'm not really sure how long it took. What one afternoon? And it just like I was, I thought I was playing Rebel Rebel, that David Bowie song. Oh, you know. Uh, and then and then I was like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, wait a little bit. And then. uh uh, on the guitar, and then I and then I just started writing this melody, and I was like, and I, and I was I was pretty sure I'd you know it was uh, you know someone else's melody because it was very clear to me, right? And uh, and so then, but then I was like, well, you know what? Like, just write it down before you start figuring out who you aped, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, why don't you criticize yourself a little bit later down the down the road, buddy? And so yeah, I wrote it out, and uh, the whole thing and the whole rhyming scheme and everything, which I which is um slightly different rhyming scheme uh i think i think the rhyming scheme is from the, do you know that, that record pat garrett and billy the kid that bob dylan record? of course yeah yeah great record right that you know that song billy like it's like yeah. the the song and uh it's just so nice because it's um you know okay i can't remember any lyrics this is one of the things that i'm really bad at i remember i can't remember everyone's name is sir john a like you know all my friends <laughs> yeah, yeah, i just call yeah. him hey john a and then <laughs> and then and of course, all Dylan lyrics are, I don't remember them, but um, it's, you know, he's like, uh, there's guns across the river aiming at you, lawman out something out to get you. And, yeah. and then, um, and it's like, it rhymes three times. And then, it, and then the, by the fourth line, um, you know, it's AAA. And then by the fourth line, it's a complete release. It doesn't rhyme with anything. And there's kind of like this weight 
um, that's completely lifted when the last line is, you know, you're not going A, B, A, B. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just like, all of a sudden, like, this is the kind of thing that happens, this is the kind of thing that happens, this is the kind of thing that happens, and like, why not? And all of a sudden, it's just like, well, you didn't rhyme there. Like, you feel like kind of released. And I think I'd been listening to that song a lot. And so okay, that kind of was in there. And uh, yeah, anyhow, it was this first song I wrote for the record. And I think it was one of the last ones we recorded. I, I must have tried it. Uh, two two or three different arrangements till I figured out that drum beat, which is so simple. And my wonderful drummer, Olivier Fairfield, was so um, uh, patient with me as I like to explain, like, no, the, the kick drum has to be a little bit tucked in yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the yeah. on the two, a little bit a little bit too too fast to create like this feeling. And that was like that was, that was a kind of the big thing on the record was that the kick drum was like sitting at the right spot and um I had two different drummers on the record, and I feel like we were able to, between the two of them, always find the exact right pocket. Yeah, Olivia is playing on this record is fantastic, just beautiful. And between your bass playing and and uh, is it Shazad? Mm-hmm. You see the other fellow, Shazad is amazing. Shazad, yeah. yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, you've got a. That's really, I feel like, where a lot of the, the beyond the 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 lyrical uh, explorations and the and the technique that you've employed. I think there's a lot of power in the playing. And as we go, I think that's going to become more and more apparent. This is one of uh, the first, uh, it's the first song on the record, and it's one of many uh, that cites a city, I noticed. You, oh, yeah. You're often singing about <laughs> different places. Uh, as we go, we'll talk about some of them. But um, this one includes Vancouver. It includes Los Angeles. This this seems to be a song uh, about a long-distance relationship, but also uh, I can't tell if it's a in the present and the past, do you, do you mind talking a little bit about what inspired it lyrically? I have no idea. I, <laughs> I've, oh, is it I've, a total, total like, uh, like conjured narrative? Um, no, it's not. Hey, I mean, there's just like, uh, there's like half discomfort and unwillingness to talk about my personal self and the sure. other half of like, not really sure how it kind of came together. There's parts that are, you know, there's one thing that I, that I can say that, that I find that rings true when I when I played that song back I would like wasn't really sure where it came from and then what was nice is playing it live there'd be moments where I'd go oh that's what that line is about and it would just be like you know I'm just not I didn't overthink it when I wrote it and so stuff kind of came out rather naturally but it's also like uh you know when you dream like there'll be like somebody you're like oh this is my you know I don't know my teacher <laughs> from like grade, yeah. grade grade 3 and then you're like and you're like but you know in the next couple minutes later that teacher was actually this uh, person that i saw on a safari program on like pbs you know and it was like they shared something in common you know and it's just the people kind of morph and change and it's kind of not really you know it's not always so you know direct well, at least with me it's it, whenever a song is like this is about this person it tends to uh kind of fall apart but. well it, it's a it's a very vivid narrative i can picture everything that's happening as i mentioned there's a few yeah, as I look through the lyrics here, London, San Pedro, uh, where else are we here? We got L.A., we got uh, Vancouver, and there's a very, like, th- I-, I like this because I think, and I don't mean to overflatter you or whatever, but it, there's a, the, the cleverness of it is kind of subtle. I'm only leaving because I can't stay I always loved you and I, I never paid I hear that even in L.A. It's Vancouver time 
I like that the the last couple lines. I hear that even in LA, it's Vancouver time. That's just a, <laughs> yeah. that's a nice turn of phrase. Oh, thanks. Actually, uh, it was actually this is so Canadian, but it, I had written a song called Vancouver. Well, I mean Vancouver time. I had I'd written like a little ditty uh, when I woke up one day because I I was waking up super late yeah. and I was embarrassed. But then I was like, I I'd, I knew I was going to Vancouver soon, and I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be amazing. I'll be waking up at the right time. At a reasonable time, if I, when I'm in Vancouver, and uh, when I'd wake up, I, I would listen to you know CBC, and I'd put on the I go online and listen to the Vancouver <laughs> Vancouver station. So yeah, it would you know I get all my, my morning programs that I wouldn't have I would have missed otherwise. Right. And so I was like, I kind of that was kind of in my head. But <laughs> well, yeah. it's a it's a lovely turn of phrase, and it's a like I say, it's a vivid uh, vivid song. So let's mm. we're gonna move on now. We're gonna move okay. on to uh, the second song on the record. It's called. All night sedans. You was up to something, I was up to nothing. It's bound to happen that way. Rain in the street lights, you in the midnights. We could have had it any day. The fire was raging down at the station. It's not ours to worry about, you said. No truth at all, babe. I should have made the call. Half a favor is no favor at all. Wish it could have been another way. Oh. Wish it could have been another way. I, I, I had this guy Shazad Ismaili come up from uh, from New York to play bass. I had seen him um, uh, at uh, playing with Vera Farcature at Pop Montreal, and he was playing like one one bass note the entire show, basically different notes. But like each song was kind of just a drone, and he was completely saving the show. The show was kind of <laughs> falling off the rails a little bit. Yeah. There was some technical problems, but he was just like. His tone was beautiful, but also his like energy was just like fantastic. And I was like, my my songs have two two notes, so this guy could totally do it, <laughs> you know, because he's okay with one. So and uh, so I talked to him, and uh, and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll play on your record. And uh, so he came up, and we I we hadn't played together. I only met him like you know like five minutes, and uh, and so I was hoping that it was going to work. And we he he basically. That was the, f- I think we tried one little tune. Otherwise, it was the second thing we played, like 10 minutes into him showing up. And that was the first take of that song. And he just played this beautiful bass line. <laughs> like, just beautiful, I thought. And uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Wish it could have been another way. Is he is he kind of an eccentric guy? Um, it depends what you mean, but he's definitely like an unusual genius. I, I would say. I feel like I spent some time with him once in two thousand. Does he live in Brooklyn? He lives in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like yeah. I I may have encountered Shazad, and uh, if it is indeed the same Shazad, 
uh, some we my I was road managing the band Royal City and we were in Brooklyn and we met a fella named Shazad and he he looks a lot like Shazad does now like if, yeah and and I think it was him and the one story I heard is that he was playing one time driving over the Brooklyn Bridge he was playing the bass and driving his car with his feet that sounds like Shazad it does yeah. right that does seem that's like a, something that, he would do I, that's definitely Shazad <laughs> steering with his feet. Playing bass yeah. with his hands, yeah, driving the last, across the Brooklyn Bridge. The last night of recording, it was uh, one in the morning, and he had a flight at like five a.m. or something. And he's like, "Hey, uh, do, you, do you mind? Do you know where Laval is?" I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Will you come with me to Laval to get a Leslie speaker cabinet that I just found on Craigslist?" And I was like, "Okay." So it was. <laughs> it ended up being like two or three in the morning. We were at some guy's basement, and this guy had like. Like five or six Leslie cabinets. <laughs> he was he was like figuring out which one he wanted to take back to Brooklyn for his studio. Yeah, he's like, like an engineer as well, like a producer guy. Uh huh. He does everything. Yeah, he I can th- play drums. Yeah, he can play. He 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 brought a he brought a Moog synthesizer to the uh, to the sessions, and he he said, "I know you asked me to play bass, but I also brought the Moog because I'm going to play Moog on your record." you don't have to keep it but i'm gonna do it and i was like and he didn't know this but i was like really excited because i was just like i this is exactly what i want just a little bit and he he basically only played a little bit of white noise on east of eden but then i went out and i totally fell in love and i went out and bought the exact same one this little moog rogue kind of cheap um he's like kind of he's, he's credited with playing bass and synthesizer on this song all nights and ends oh yeah he played he actually played if you can believe it because I was like, we did everything on tape, so I felt like it totally legitimized. But he was, he was, uh, he was using Ableton for like some sort of synth pad. I had uh, no idea what he was doing, okay. but it was so beautiful. But it went to tape, so then I thought I was like, I'm okay with Ableton on my record because I didn't play it, and he, and it didn't look like he was playing it either. He was just just c- touching colors, color pads on his screen. Like I don't understand what Ableton is. You're right, like a, right. You know, but yeah, no. So he didn't play Moog on it, but but uh, yeah. I know you you mentioned earlier that you want to sort of protect your privacy on some level, but there is a a you and I uh, that you employ in terms of pronoun uh, mm. pronouns throughout this record, and uh, I can't help but assume that you have a, a, a singular muse you're thinking of uh, throughout this record. Is that fair? <laughs> I, um, I that's a great question let me think about it because i never think about the record as a as a whole i think about each song on it well most not not all the time but there's there's like there's yeah i think so i think so the subjects of the songs just seem like very pronounced entities and and, mm. and you seem to have formed very intricate opinions of them uh <laughs> <laughs> and I know, you know, I can't help but read it. This is the exercise we're reading into the songs, but there's just something going on here. And I mean, the, if this song has a chorus, and I suppose it does, it's wish it could have been another way. And yeah. and there's just something, obviously that is a regretful statement, <laughs> yeah. inherently so. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to, and even I don't know what this, I mean, even this phrase, now I'm, you, you say, now I'm driving all night sedans. Mm. Uh, all the things I should have done while I do what I can. I mean, what does that what does that phrase mean to you? What does an all night sedan mean? Oh well, all night sedan is uh, it's the <laughs> when I was in Florida, there was a I was driving on the highway and there was like this black sedan in the back. There was a, kind of like a handmade sign. They have 
last I checked, they have one like on Facebook. It's called Up All Night Sedans, some sort of sedan delivery business. Now you're getting into and Neil Young territory here. Yeah. Sedan well, delivery. Yeah. 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 But it maybe it was not a delivery business. And I'm just thinking about Neil Young because I'm such a, <laughs> way too deep into rest, never sleeps. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but uh, yeah. And I just, for some reason, I, I, you know, it got stuck in my head. It, it was like months later that I wrote the song, but I just was like, but, you know, all night sedans for some reason, like really flowed and like had like this energy that was so strange, like the energy of like, I don't know, like some sort of late night uh, secrecy yeah. and like, you know, complicitness. And yet at the same time, like a very difficult real job, you know, that would be quite lonely, <laughs> but uh, all in my head. I don't really know um, anything about this business. Um, well, if if it's any, if this is helpful in any way, I would suggest that if you encounter uh, your friend and my brief acquaintance Shazad Ismaili running an all night sedan business, don't <laughs> don't get in the car with him. He will play bass and drive with his feet, and it's oh my God. it's odd. But I oh, I love amazing. that we have this thing with this guy, and it's that's anyway. Sorry, uh, uh, no, every the thing is wherever you go, if you're in the in a slight musical circle, someone will tell you like. Oh, actually, I know she's that. And then they tell you a story that, you know, like thematically makes sense, like, but doesn't in any way can like have anything to do with your story. Like, I, you know, I've heard about him, like, you know, being at someone's wedding and like dropping like live bass over like a DJ set, like out of nowhere and like just <laughs> destroying the dance floor. Like, you know, I have, a, I did take, I, you know, on that trip, I took photos of people I thought were notable. I definitely have photos of Shazad just sitting there kind of seeming i can picture the photo right now so yeah. he's an interesting cat and uh and it's great that any and the playing is wonderful like the yeah and anyway. he's really magical and uh, well the with the day he showed up um before we like yeah recorded the song uh we were playing and it, we didn't you know just i was just maybe just playing like some chords on the piano and he was playing and i remember going you know i'm really i'm a really i'm kind of terrible i am very difficult to play with and uh because i don't like bass <laughs> I really just dis- dislike basing, like people playing bass. You know, I like really simple, you know, I like Paul McCartney bass playing, you know, end of the list, basically. You think Paul McCartney is a simple bass player? I don't think of him as no, a no, simple no, bass no, player No, 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 I'm sorry. But it's whenever he's not simple, he's completely melodic and oh, completely I serving the song, you know, which right. is, you know, like, oh my God, uh, you know, something or uh, while my guitar gently weeps or whatever. It's just sure. like, you know, it's just like so really well, oh, I God, think I just want to listen to Paul McCartney right now. Yeah, don't no, please listen to me. Listen, focus, <laughs> okay, leave, okay, focus okay, on me right now. Okay, okay. This bass discussion leads us yeah. into uh, this beautiful song, "Elegy." Elegy, I think, is a centerpiece song here. This is a, a song that won't leave me. Uh, I, I'm very much enamored of this song, sure. and, uh, and 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 it. Uh, and I, I don't. I don't know if this is going to be offensive to you or if it wasn't coming from these places. But I hear traces of Joni Mitchell and Prince, and and you play a, a bass part on this song that mm-hmm. is just stunning. It's so straightforward. And it it comes and goes, but I think it's perfect. Oh, thank you. Take a look at me now. 
Take a look at me now. So I, that's why I brought up all the bass. What what can you say about the song, Elegy? Well, it was kind of it was a it was a hard one to record because uh, it 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 has a really specific. I wrote it. It was like twice the speed on the piano, and it was kind of like the same tempo and beat as Sign Sealed Delivered. I'm yours, the Stevie Wonder song. Oh yeah, it does have that. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought when I wrote it, I thought that's the song that I was singing, and so I felt I was like. I didn't write it down at the time because I was like, God, I, why am I making up new lyrics to Stevie Wonder's <laughs> song? And then, and then I, and I was like, Oh, I was writing my own Motown song. That's stupid. And then I didn't write it down. And then the next day I was like, you're look, you're trying to write a record and you didn't write down the song that came to you, like fully formed. Were you stupid? And then it, and then I just like, and then I came back and then I wrote it down. It was like, you know, like six pages of lyrics or whatever. And then I, uh, trimmed it down to like the ones that were that are left and then and then some sort of story came out of it and I like I didn't really change much I just kind of just you know deleted a lot yeah. some things made no sense like right around the city on my bicycle and then I wrote rhyme bicycle with tricycle I'm like that's not really what I'm working on right right now you know sometimes you have to like say really stupid lines to keep the flow going and just um not interrupt you know the writing and then yeah, and then that song came together and it took a while to get because yeah, it was played too slow, it gets really sad, played too fast, it just like falls off the rails and then no, this it's was in maybe the, the it, fifth version. Yeah, it's in the pocket here. I think this is the right the right uh, arrangement for it. And uh I also I wanna you, we were talking about rhyme schemes earlier, you were talking about Bob Dylan's song Billy. Mm-hmm. This opens with a brilliant uh flurry of lines. Man accords a major arcano Little leather jacket and a black bandana Kicking over trash cans and telling jokes in Atlanta When I got the fever It hit me like a fan on the back of my head I don't know who I am but I the, the phrasing of that last part, when I got the fever, it hit me like a fan on the back of my hand. That The way that works in the meter of the first three lines is really brilliant. I think it's really great. And uh, I just wanted to say that. I, I'm just a huge fan of this <laughs> this song. I think it's great. And, and this, again, I think you're hearkening back to some past incident here because I mentioned the other song, uh, All Night Sedans uh, has this regretful line in it, this recurring chorus. This one, take mm-hmm. a look at me now. Something temporarily has changed, and you want it, mm. you want the subject of the song to take a look at you now, but not in a yeah. not in a Phil Collins way. No, it's funny because when I wrote that, I was like, "Am I gonna?" That song was also strange because I kept on wanting to cut it because I was like, "Well, am I really gonna sing this? Are people gonna be like, what the, <laughs> the hell is he? What the hell is he saying? Take yeah. a look at me now." I didn't know what the Phil Collins one, but I feel like people tend to like be like, like they kind of get that it's not like a take a look, you know, jazz hands, you know. What well, do you take know? A look at me now. Do you know the Phil Collins song "Against All Odds"? I, I specifically, you know, someone told me that there was a Phil Collins song with that line in it, so I just avoided it. I just didn't want to like, in case I loved it more than my own, I didn't want to like get depressed, or if I didn't like it, I didn't want to have an opinion, so I just avoided it. I feel like I won an Oscar. <laughs> That's like a good. That is a good <laughs> Phil Collins song. Okay, good, amazing. Yeah, tell me about the bass part because I think it's fascinating. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the bass part. 
it was it's really funny this is like uh four versions later and that's what was left uh i remember what it what it makes me think of is i'm like wait i would know way too much about bob dylan but um that song most of the time you know that song of course I bet you, i know you know that song <laughs> and uh uh i heard like earlier demos of it and there isn't that bass line in it yeah. most of the time and it trick one of the earlier versions on like the bootleg series has it it comes in like once and right. then the next version is like they're playing it every riff it's like they found you know they found the hook for right. the song right and uh you know it was just like kind of this they 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 saw it and then they're like you know like kind of finding the the sculpture inside the clay and like bringing it out you know it, it was always there but they didn't they had to hear it until they they placed it and uh not that it was that but um when I did an early version with Shazad, I played on the bass line, which was actually like this, like chromatic thing, like, like in Stevie Wonder, like, like super cheesy. Right. And, uh, but it, it really worked solo piano, but then with the band, it had a different color. And so then Shazad was like, just reduced it to one note. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And it was playing, he played over the whole song. And, uh, but then, uh, but then that didn't work. It was like a really sad version that that had no. It was just like it was very dark. Actually, it was kind of like spooky. It was really strange, and it it, it was frightening. Actually, and it made me sick to my stomach. It was the weirdest Whoa, okay, version. It, wow. it wasn't it wasn't Shazad or anything. It was just I when I play when I record a song, if it goes the wrong way, I get viscerally pretty upset and like. Um, it's like watching. It's having giving. I don't know. It's like watching something become deformed when it was fine before, <laughs> you know. So I, I like took a step back and I was like, okay, what's going on with this song? And then eventually I was like, I need to do it just with Olivier on the drums with this beat. And I finally figured out what the drum groove was. And I was when I was swimming and I was like, oh, it's this. It's like kind of like a Buffalo Springfield drum beat, like right. you know, super simple, straightforward the whole way through. And then uh, I played it just piano and drums. And then I was like, it needs bass. And then when I played bass on it, it dragged everything. Hmm. And, uh, you know, when Doves Cry doesn't have any bass and there's all this tension, yes, that's the true. only precedent of, like, no bass <laughs> <laughs> that I can think of right now with something that, you know, kind of works. And then, I, and then I, so then I played this, this riff, but, like, super simplified. And, sl- you know, I changed it to get the right uh, rhythm and everything. No, but then it's, uh, it's in the chorus. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. That's what's gonna, and I remember asking Olivier, I was like, is this a song? Does this work? And he's like, I don't know, I think so, you know, because it's just <laughs> piano and drums, you know. So I was like, I was pretty sure that it was gonna not be the one song that people skip, but I was like, I don't care. No, I just want it's, it, it's not, you know? it's unskippable. I think, I, to me, it's my, uh, and I don't mean to say it's my favorite song this early in the conversation. We have a number of songs left to go, but it just really struck me. I, I appreciate no. a song that is. Uh, sparse, but uh, the intent is there. Like the the intent is strong, and and uh, it it I don't know. You mentioned when Doves cried. Does the Prince Joni thing resonate with you? I mean, I, I love Joni, and Prince was the Prince was it was the strangest thing because I the day I recorded that um, I was it janvier février mars avril mais attends janvier février mars avril yeah oh no when did this happen now. I'm trying to remember because it was either – no, that was the day. I went to go see Prince that day. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> there I you go. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I'm trying to remember because I did a session the day I saw Prince and I did another session uh, a month later. But I'm 99% sure it was that day that I, that, I, that I went to go see Prince and I ran off. 
I remember because I had tickets to him seeing solo piano in Montreal, and um, and I and you know I got them because I was like, oh my god, this is gonna sell out, and I got it, and I knew I had a recording day that day, but I was like, I can't cancel recording, but like, I can't not go see Prince. I, in a way, this is like part of my musical education, right? You know, who right. knew that he was gonna die? He died a month to the day. Of the show, yeah, he died yeah. shortly after that tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, anyhow, so so you did so, go. You went to the show. Yeah, we got the take. I was like, I think I got it, and then I went, <laughs> and it was amazing. And uh, yeah, no, I definitely think about Prince when I play that song often. Sorry, you Especially got when... you got the take of this song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then you saw him. Yeah. He's in. Yeah. He's in the song. I hear him in this he, song. This seems he's in like, the song somewhere. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, here, there's Joni and and Prince in the song, and I. I anyway I, I don't, he, yeah well I, that's really sweet of you but also like you know wherever there's Prince there's Joni you know he's such a huge fan apparently he wrote her fan fan mail oh yeah and like yeah it like it, I don't know if you ever heard her doing interviews about it where she's like I would get these weird letters from like I thought it was from a boy like a very effeminate boy <laughs> there'd be like sparkles and like hearts and like childish things saying he loved me but it was people would be like that's Prince and she's like who's Prince or <laughs> something like that that's funny. Well, anyway, it's a gorgeous song, and I I commend you for that one. All right, well, oh, are you fine to move on? I could. I'm always fine to move on. Yeah, you'd prefer moving on. I think I like more the than, moving on. You like the moving on part the best. Okay. <laughs> Don't say anything that I that I'll regret. Yeah. <laughs> Into the ether. I wrote it after being uh, dragged along to a club night <laughs> that I, I was like, I'm tired. I want to go home. Mm. This is not where I need to be. And I, I and uh, I ended up being in a in a club in Montreal with great. It was great music. It was really good, like techno and like crazy lights. And I just, but then people were just being, you know, whatever. I'm just I'm just not a party animal, I guess. No, but anyway, there's, I, there's something false about that whole atmosphere. The the, the thing, yeah. Uh, and and that's I think what maybe uh, now that you mention this to me. Mm-hmm. Your chorus here, essentially, and forgive mm-hmm. me if I'm confused about what constitutes a chorus, because this, <laughs> I feel like the structures are loose enough that I, I hear things recur, but your choruses, if they are choruses, are a sentence sometimes. They're a phrase. Yeah. And this one is quit putting me on, which, yeah. uh, now that you mention the club culture and I think about your lyrics. I saw you in the club getting all fucked up in cocaine while well, it was all sucked up. You felt the power something. Felt the power of something, but not <laughs> You felt the power of something, but Pretty not for obvious. long. Yeah, there's something, and, and, but there's just a sense that you don't believe it. Yeah, well, it, it, there's a conflation of a lot of things, and that song is a weird one because I, I just kind of wrote it the next day, like. Um, I was listening a lot to Freddie Mercury at the time for some reason, and somehow like there was something about 
there's only one way I think to go to a club and that's to listen to and this is just this is not really actually what I believe but for me personally if uh don't stop me now comes on at at a <laughs> at a bar at yeah. a club that's that's the, that's the highest point that you can reach as a human being in a bacchanalian exertion of your of yourself you know like singing along and dancing to that song it's there's something about compl- like you, you know you want to that song is about letting go completely and you know freeing yourself from like the chains of your everyday life to like be alive and present in the moment and like despite like or not despite but because of this internal sadness that you have. you know it's so for me that song is so it's so poetic and yet you know like just this like struggle to be free you know on a friday or saturday night or something you know and i just feel like that's where it's at and uh for some reason yeah i was thinking about that, that song so are you, know? you are you a queen person generally i i love i mean what's weird is that i'm not a deep queen fan my brother gave me like he's like oh you like that song i'll give you the record and i just don't listen to jazz you know that yeah. that queen record and um but you know don't stop me now is like epic and of course you know all the singles you know and, and my best friend and uh can anybody find me somebody to love like those one these the major queen hits for me are are huge and and when they're not hits I, they don't go as far for me like right. there's something about their hits that are it's not that they're just good songs they 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 i find that they they touch upon some sort of i don't know something very 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 deep um for me anyway I, yeah as a I, I think there's a lot of humanity in queen hits if that makes yeah. any sense, I feel yeah. like they're really trying to galvanize people and sort of get to something universal in every song. And, yeah, and and I, and I think that maybe speaks to their enduring power because I I don't they're not they're massive like you there there's just so many songs that are hit singles by Queen and I feel like every one of them is someone's song. Uh, yeah, it, it just it reached it reached they just touched people very specifically and. Uh, more than the Beatles or Zeppelin. Like there's just something about those Queen songs that everyone mm-hmm. can kind of sort of agree. I, I shouldn't say this because I'm sure there's people who absolutely despise them, but uh, yeah, but I think, no, that, but they're, I, I think they really reached a lot of people. Obviously they reached a lot of people, but I think that they, there's just something there. They were reaching well, for something. And they're, and they're, and it's pretty vulnerable to like lyrically it's, it, it's, he's putting himself out there and, but the, but the band, of course, you know, between Brian May and Freddie Mercury's voice, it's like the most powerful sounds you can get. You know, they had to put like disclaimers in the back of the record being, there's no synthesizers played on this record because <laughs> these guitars sound so good. They sound like unreal. They yeah. sound like, it wasn't the anti-synthesizer. They put these warnings that like, or not, these disclaimers that, you know, Brian May made these sounds with his guitar. So you didn't like think they were, you know, <laughs> you're like you know just so much power coming out of something so vulnerable you know like yeah but also like the end of don't stop me now is like one of my favorite recording uh, moments of like recorded music like when he just kind of like sings lalas into the reverb you know just like it's just all echo and he just keeps singing even though the party's done and the band is like gone home and he's just like gone crazy you know with dreaming it's just like yeah i just like really somehow Somehow that's that feeling is in the song. Somehow, just kind of like I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. No, really, no, no. But I, I, but I, I thought about him I a lot when I was recording it, for sure. Okay, 
that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, this. This record moves along, uh, I think, a little bit like a travelogue, and we're entering a bit of that territory now. Uh, we're, we're we're heading to a song called "Big Sky Country." Red wing blackbird. Sitting on cattails and red winged blackbird. Sitting on cattails and bad enough to be there. Red wing blackbird sitting on a cattail. This song is, I think, lyrically sort of sparse compared to most of the other ones. A lot of uh, repeated, recurring lines. Uh, yeah, and it's it may be on paper. Certainly, it seems like a. We were talking about your feeling pigeonholed about being in a, a, a folk realm. But this, this, like I say, if I looked at this in the lyric sheet of, like, the American anthology of folk music, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that I, that's nice, I think. But also, it is the oldest song, I think, on the record. I think it's, it's one, one from that kind of worked its way from that period where it, it kind of stuck and it... It's I would have you know so it kind of makes sense I I, I appreciate you noticing that it stuck out because <laughs> yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah yeah I think it does yeah and and what where where did this song come from per se there's a you know they come from all kinds of different places but uh I mean each line kind of came to me on its own and that's why and then it fit the meter of this of this melody and so I would put them one after the other and. It's one of the f- rare attempts where it didn't seem to be a Frankenstein, but it seemed to like actually be trying to be written that way. And so I didn't feel like I was like, and now the story's done. Like, what's the story about? It's like, oh no, this is the story. This is the story that happened, and this is how it went down. But the ly- the lines would come to me one at a time. And like one of the lines was, I was in Winnipeg doing this uh, Nuna festival, this Icelandic festival. In Winnipeg. I got in- in Winnipeg, yeah. There's a nice invited... Icelandic festival in Winnipeg? Yeah, because Gimli, Manitoba. Oh, sorry, did I say Winnipeg? I meant Manitoba. Oh, um, oh, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, okay. of course, Gimli. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, Sir John A. Gimli? No, I'm just... <laughs> Sir John sorry. A. Gimli. Callback. I did no. a callback to the yeah, yeah. earlier I, confusion. Sorry. I'll never be free of all my Sir John A's. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but no, no, I was, I was invited to, a, 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 to a, yeah, an Icelandic heritage festival because... They mistakenly thought I was Icelandic, and then when I said, "By the way, I'm not Icelandic," they said, "Ah, never mind. Who cares? It's fine. Like, come anyways." Oh, okay, right. Because <laughs> yeah. your name, they thought your name yeah. was Icelandic, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's Scandinavian, is it? Yeah, it's Norwegian. Norwegian, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. But um, well, what does Big you know. Sky Country as a motif represent? Is that an actual place for you? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the things was uh, when I drove out when I was in 1997. Uh, so I would have been 11. Um, my dad took the family out in a car on a road trip for like two, three weeks. He said, you guys are going to see all of Canada. And then on the way back, we went through the northern states. 
And uh, Montana was his favorite state. And he was just like, big sky country. You know, it's on the, all the license plates. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know? and he, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, and you know, there's like no speed, no speed limit, reasonable and prudent. My dad was like in, in paradise, you know, like, you know, not that we like hung out with anyone from Montana. He was doing a lot of driving, you know, trying to get home. But he just loved the, the wide open spaces. And then... Uh, so that scofflaw, song? restless scofflaw, your father, is that? Uh, <laughs> exactly. No speed limit, open sky, open road, that's for me. He's, you know, you, yeah, he's, he's anything but a Republican, but he, but he, but, you know, on paper, he's just loves, loves, loves all these classic American things. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and, and we were listening to uh, almost ad nauseum, but honestly, it w- didn't get ad nauseum-y. Uh, Ian Tyson's cowboyography and uh, uh, all the goodens like a compilation of Ian Tyson songs and there's one song uh, called that we were listening to the whole time it was called The Gift about this painter Charles M. Russell mm-hmm. or I like to call him Sir John A. <laughs> Charles M. Russell Sir John and, A. Evan Charles M. Russell yeah. yeah oh you remembered it was Evan good for you I remember I everything forgot. I had already forgotten He's back to Sir John. Evan Nepean. Yeah. yeah. Sir Evan Nepean. Yeah. Sir Evan just doesn't seem like there's a lot of Sir Evans out there. I don't you feel know, like that's like even like making some kombucha Yeah, it you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, Evan. Sir Evan. Yeah. Sir Evan whipped up this kombucha. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to Evans out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually a friend of mine, Evan, really likes your uh, your your podcast, so oh. uh, he'll he'll be really insulted, but where's, he'll be really excited. Where's, uh, where's Evan from? Uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. okay. I wonder if but I. But he know. doesn't make kombucha though. Okay. He's, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> hopefully he's listening. If he likes the show, he's probably listening. Hi, Evan. Oh, he, oh hi. Thanks hi, for buddy. listening. Thanks for listening, Thanks for, Evan. Thank you. Yeah. Um. No. Anyhow, so there's this painter in this Ian Tyson song, and he, the chorus is "God made Montana," you know, and uh, the idea is that this painter uh, paints beautifully, and then when he dies, he's in heaven, and God says, uh, "You're going to be in charge." While you're here in heaven, you're going to be in charge of painting skies in Montana because I can't paint them as good as you. And so, like, there's a, kind of this conflation of like Ian Tyson and you know this you know this great you know American painter and uh, you know driving across. And so that just stayed in my mind, I guess, for a million years, okay. <laughs> twenty years, that's, and then kind that... of stuff kind of took place there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I appreciate the the long term resonance of of that kind of experience and. It's funny when you're an artist when something when inspiration will strike from the past, I suppose. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like I re- the song has nothing to do with that. It's just that when I sing that song, I see that road that I remember. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it's kind of like, kind of like a little surrealist thing. Like I, I have an image of a place, and then, and then all of a sudden, it's like a clean slate to 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 have whatever I'm I'm writing about kind of just ends up taking place there. You know, it can't always happen in, in my apartment <laughs> right? or like, you know, on the street, you know, uh, on the main street. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, where the, you know, things went down or anything. It just seems to like, you know, uh, it's it's nice to move things to to new locations. And well, that, I don't do it on purpose. It just kind of happens. I think. Yeah. Well, that's a nice segue into uh, the next song uh, on the record, Michigan. Got my head. Got my guitar. Back up the back. Get in the car Look out the back Window Say hello To all the snow It's piling up Upon the road Not gonna stop If I can Never been to Michigan Never been to Michigan. <laughs> this this song feels like a song where I I I, I can kind of feel the reality of it as you mm. being like a troubadour or something. I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. What, what's the inspiration for Michigan? That one that one came like uh, really easily. I, I and I had no. I didn't, wasn't sure it was going to be on the record because I didn't. It, I wrote it in about five minutes before going to Michigan for a show. Um, I was actually going to Pennsylvania, actually. Um, but what? I was gonna, what a, I was gonna this go is through, a lie. Yeah, a lie. Gonna, no, but I was going to go through Oh, you Michigan. have to go through Michigan, right. I was going to go through Michigan. And, uh, yeah, and it, it's got nothing to do with the truth, really, uh, about, like, never having been. But I just kind of, for some reason, that stuck in my mind as kind of, you know, some sort of, thought i don't know i guess i had i hadn't been in a while basically and for some reason that really fascinated me that it had been so long oh i <laughs> that see i've been there i don't know i just yeah i just wrote it out and it, i had a i had a one-off solo show in, in pennsylvania and uh i guess i was just thinking about it and then i just kind of like just kind of spiraled into like kind of talking about everything else that was going on i guess according to the credits on the record the song consists of you on vocals and guitar olivier on drums and shazad on bass I mm. got a real blood on the tracks vibe. Oh, cool! 
Amazing. Do you know that record by Bob Dylan from uh, I mean, 1975? <laughs> do I know it? Yeah. Do I? The, the question is, how many copies of it do I own on vinyl? And the answer is three. <laughs> it has uh, like a New York, like there's an alternate session for that record. And, yeah, uh, the New York session. Yeah, yeah. And this kind Idiot of, Wind sounds so good on it. Yeah, and I Lily Rose wearing the Jack of Hearts, to me, sounds identical because the imagery is the same. Oh, to this song? Uh, no, no, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, like oh, the two Lily Rose wearing the Jack oh, of Hearts, I, I actually see. find them. I prefer the acoustic version a little bit less, you know. Right. Um, well, there's just the something. Is this wrong? Am I wrong to suggest that? It sounds like obviously this is in your a major part of your uh, being that this record, Blood on the Tracks. Yeah. But is, the, is that this wasn't a conscious thing? It just no. I definitely wasn't going for it. Uh, but do you but hear it? Do a, you hear where I'm coming from? I can hear it because, in the sense that there is an alternate tuning that has some drone strings in this one, and like I know that that whole record, the, especially the the bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> put my nerd glasses on uh, especially the bootleg it's I all brought it up e- I brought up the yeah, bootleg yeah, yeah but like all the open E tuning that's the whole record right it's like all open E on the on, on the New York sessions yeah and so and all these there's all these open strings that are uh, going on and kind of like creating like this drone and kind of mesmerizing and so there is like a there is like an open string the whole time on, on and an open tuning for this song so it kind of does have like that and it's got drop D too so Totally, it's an E flat, and kind the, of close to E. It's so. got the busy brushwork, like the drums. Uh-huh. The drumming is sort of frenetic but subtle. Like it's sort of I, I pick up on that a little bit if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, totally. No, totally. Okay. And uh, <laughs> no, totally. And it was funny because we played that song one. That was the one time we played it too. You know, like it's just like that's what's wild. Before I played it, I was like, "Should I like it's two chords?" And at one point. Um, I kind of want you to hit like a flat, like a minor five going to the four, but like maybe do it like once, like, or maybe don't do it all, whatever. Yeah. And then he like totally did it, totally nailed it, like at the exact point in the song that like would make sense. He's just, he's, he lives on another plane. Yeah, he does. Shazad. And I just like, I, I, you know, from him playing one note with Vera Farcatore, I had no idea that he was going to like be able to do like exactly you know, what someone would do after a hundred rehearsals and I would still not be had, satisfied, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I actually only heard his bass part when I was mixing it, um, mixing the record because my rough mix didn't have uh, bass in it for oh, some reason. Oh. So I was like, Oh, I guess I'll throw on the song. And then I heard the bass part and I was like, Holy, shit. <laughs> what a beautiful bass line, you know, like answering, you know, like pumping and then all of a sudden like suspensions and like inversions, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm just playing two chords, and he's like totally saving my ass. You know. <laughs> well, it's a lovely arrangement, and and the other this is probably a heavy-handed reading on my part, but the other reason I brought up uh, Blood and Tracks and Bob Dylan. No sweet direction to sit along. You and me, Robert. We ramble on. Well, I, I actually think I lifted the song from Led Zeppelin because uh, when I was walking home one day, well, the, the day that I wrote this song, no, the day before, uh, someone had, was cranked, had cranked Ramble On with their window open, and it, was sounded, it sounded so good. It sounded so good. I see. I went, so, I went uh, yeah. Robert Dylan. You're saying it's really Bobby Plant. But no, it, it's kind of, you know how it is. Like you talk about a song, what's the point? It's both, because obviously I'm thinking about Bob Dylan all the time anyway. Yes, you know? you're a big fan. So, I mean, 
I'm trying to get out of it. You know, I used to, I it was really hooked for a while. It's a bit of a trap, but isn't it? It's a bit of a trap because it's like there's so many there's so many good records. It's an and endless, he just keeps changing. Endless maze. I saw him five times this summer. And this summer. This summer I saw him five times, yeah. Oh my god. My well, son, how is he? I haven't seen him in like five years. Oh, they're beautiful shows. I mean yeah. like they, they, they did, sort of did the, the same set and I think that's really tightened things up because they mm. used to uh I, I liked not knowing what was happening every night. There'd yeah. always be a core, but yeah, no, this just this uh collection of songs and these arrangements of the old songs and the old songs meaning like things from like two thousand one, you know, like Love and Theft. Yeah. Everything's just sounding great. So I'm yeah. uh, I'm huh. with you on it, and it is an endless trap. It's a oh, ma- it's a yeah, it's a trap because he just yeah. He, I find him fascinating, and I, I love the song. So yeah, what's your favorite record? My go-to used to be John Wesley Harding, but uh, yeah, Ooh, deep. Nice. yeah. Well, I used to say John Wesley Harding because I I used it as a litmus test for whether or not I wanted to be friends with you or date you. And if oh. someone, if I was smitten with someone, I would lend them a copy. Just sort of, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just like, you should <laughs> listen to this John Wesley Harding and let me know what you think. And they'd be like, okay. And then uh, invariably the women that would borrow it, uh, that I dated anyway, would say, yeah. yeah, I like it. It's good. And I'd be like, good. Okay, good. We can do this. Okay. Then. Yeah. So that that used to be my go-to like 10, 15, 20 years ago. Wow, I have to say, amazing. I have to say time out of mind, love and theft. Uh, the more contemporary things, I suppose you'd say, in the last 30, 20, 20, 20 years? Since 97. It's weird how how far away that is now. I know. It seems strange that... Time Out of Mind are so good. Time Out of Mind oh. is a stunner. And and to be honest, uh, the other the other template I hear within this record, atmospherically, is some of that Lanois ambient swampiness. It's quite subtle here, but I hear a bit of that too. That's what struck me when I first unwrapped your cd oh on my record yeah i put it in the car and it just i often will drive home from toronto at midnight one in the morning with time out of mind playing because i just feel like it's a night record and it's such a good night record yeah and i feel like standing in the doorway is like it just kills me i there was a period where i sang that song to my children every single night Oh, this is the the whole thing. I just sing it, and I, it was a great lullaby. You know all the words? I know all the words. Get out. Yeah, I know I all can the never words. remember all the words. I always drop like one. Last <laughs> night I danced with a stranger, but she just reminded me you were the one. It's a beautiful <laughs> song, and oh, God. some of his best songs are on Time Out of Mind. And uh, Yeah, so I would say those those ones are my favorite favorite records, but then there's yeah. all sorts of, obviously, I think some people listening to this would be like, what are you talking about? The 60s oh, no. records are so phenomenal, but I find them, there's something about Love and Theft and Time of Mind where there's an economy to the yeah. lyrics and the genius, and it's very direct, and I I just appreciate it. And his voice is in a really good zone, and I... Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it, but also, like, in the 60s, like, there is a bit of um, a sameness. Like, he, he really hit a stride, and then you know, there's a lot of, like, talking about queens and jacks, and, like, there's a lot of, like, card-playing imagery, and, like, yeah. then a lot of, like... You know, like you know, I don't know, like a, like a lot of certain like strange things. Like he'll have Achilles and a scorpion, and he'll have like amphetamines, and he, there's like a certain kind of like discovery of language, and like kind of like this post rainbow kind of way. Where well, yeah, like, from, he's no from longer, yeah, from you know? bringing it all back home to Blonde on Blonde, I agree. Yeah, there's some, there's like a batch of stuff he was pulling from, and then by John Wesley Harding, that simplicity started to enter his. Yeah, he had this notion that he could actually write a little more simply. Like the characters can be there and everything can be there. And yeah. and anyway, yeah, like I mean, I just got into a habit 
of seeing my son and my daughter uh, standing in the doorway and also make you feel my love. And, and oh, they're yeah. just gorgeous songs, uh, both from, from Time Out of Mind. And I, I yeah. just, uh, you know, that's around when I became obsessed with him. Like that's around, or rather that's around when I discovered him truly. Mm-hmm. So like I was 20 years old. I got time out of mind from the university newspapers collection of promo <laughs> CDs, and I couldn't, for, based on the cover, like the back image of the CD, it looks like an airbrushed photo of him, but he mm-hmm. could, but he's wearing kind of the vest, and it could be a, a photo and a pose of his from the 60s. So I didn't even know what it was, but I put it yeah. on, and I just, Lovesick comes on, and it has that, there's a the first thing you hear is uh, noise. Essentially, you hear yeah. incidental ambient noise, and all this to say, and I said this to someone about your record at the time. I, I was like, yeah, there's like a Lanois-y thing where I feel like the production is a character to these songs, mm. uh, and I don't know if you are someone who thinks about these things. Uh, this re- the the reverb or the just the tone and there's not much of that here. I could uh, in in retrospect and obviously in pre- preparation for this, I listened to it more closely and some of it's very dry actually, like it's mm-hmm. very direct. But there's just something about the feeling of the production and the feeling of the arrangements that took me to time out of mind. Oh, that's so nice. Well, everybody on that record, everybody's playing live in the room, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh, countless players apparently sometimes. Sometimes there are two pedal steel players on that record at times. You know. Oh, you're talking and, about uh, time out of mind. Time out of mind, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. then also my record, like that's how I like to do it. And so I'm like, you know, about six feet, five feet away from the drums, singing live vocals next to the drummer and the bass players in the room, and we just do a take together. And so the sound for me, what what I like about doing that is that, and it's kind of hell for the engineer that's mixing it, and I always get like scolded, and I should, but what happens is that there's drums in my vocal mic and my vocals when I sing loud are in the drum mics. And so everything is, one, we're all playing to each other in the room and not on headphones, so listening to our own personal mixes, but literally trying to converse with each other in the room. Yeah. And then also all the, uh, everything is kind of pre-mixed because all the sounds are already, your hands are tied, like the drums are in the vocal mic, so they're going to be there throughout the whole song. And you start hearing the sound of the room, and and that's the atmosphere. So there is a certain space that the record gets to have, and you get to hang out in that. Live records, you get to hang out in that room. You get, you know, like Stax records or like old Elvis records. You see, you can feel the energy of the room. Yes. It's, you know, that's whereas exactly in modern right. records, you can't, you know. Yeah, so. that's exactly what I hear in your record as well. Oh, well, thank you. But yeah. yeah, it's, it's, I find that that's just my favorite records are live in a room and then you hear, you hear the walls kind of reflecting the sound and then you just kind of get to go there. You don't have to be, you know, if things are really produced in like, you know, kind of, kind of start happening more in the 80s, you're kind of, feel like the sound is happening only, yeah, I don't know, only then when the record is happening in your car or something. Yeah, you don't yeah. travel to where the record's happening. Yeah, exactly. And I and I, I do feel like, as I say, there's a travelogue aspect uh, to the record, your record, in terms of just being feeling like you're in different cities by name mm-hmm. and, and that you're traveling and, and also that you feel like you're in another... It took me to another place, I will say this. like I, it, it impacted me in that way, where I thought... That's so nice. I felt like I was in a different space, and I meanwhile, I was hurtling down a highway in my car, and I, kind of, I like that. I like a good road record, like mm. a, a record that kind of feels like the nighttime or something like that. And, and yeah. so it's become a nice companion to me on the road when I'm traveling at night. And uh, most people would want to stay awake and listen to something more 
frenetic or something, but I like the pace of this thing. That and, and, and anyway, all this talk of travel leads us <laughs> nicely to another song. This one is called Road to Venus. Time play upon the friends with just your silhouette. Never knew no one like you, and I still haven't yet followed you above the crowd. Lonely as a cloud from Carolina. To Selena Road to Venus Road to Venus Oh yeah, Road to Venus. I haven't played that one in a while. <laughs> <laughs> what is what, what what is the story behind this song? I kinda had like a like a like a uh Maybe like a stalker is maybe the the term. And so there's something, uh, somehow I ended up writing this song kind of out of that experience, kind of. And so, and then it kind of like, I was also driving down to, uh, from Denver to uh, California. And uh, and then uh, every night, I, it was one of those things, I took a gig in Denver and then I booked myself a gig in LA because I needed to get away from me. And I just, if for me, it's helpful to write songs if I'm alone in a car. Um, thinking about you know driving yeah. and I'm you know I'm not consciously like and so you know I did took a couple of days to do the drive and so every night when I was driving Venus would be right then like due west um, and it would look so good and then I kind of had this feeling that you know that I was stalking Venus <laughs> and then I just felt it was kind of this weird cycle and then I kind of felt uh, I don't know and then this song came out of it kind wow. of this creepy song hmm. But also like kind of, um, kind of a um, not an apology, but a kind of like a kind of coming to terms with it, and like there's no like um, there's no hard feelings or anything like that kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know the 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 situation with the person who you felt was uh, stalking you has been resolved? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's a frightening thing. That's a very frightening thing, and it does have the song does have a, a darkness to it. I was going to ask about that, and so wow, <laughs> wow, yeah, it's there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, on a lighter note, this song features some lap steel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I asked, I asked the string players, uh, these these wonderful string players. Uh, their name is Shargo. I asked them to play on on this one as well because I had them play strings on the whole record um and then they they categorically refused they said are you kidding we're not going to play over that the pedal steals up there we're not going to go there oh he's he we, we're not going to do it and i was like but i just want to hear it you know we're here and they're like no we're not <laughs> they said no and we worked on other songs oh they, i uh, because you, did you, you recorded the, the the lap steel was played by uh my friend uh and michael fierstack michael fierstack has been yeah. a guest on this show and uh and so you had laid this down with him live? Is that- um, I, I actually had, it was just drums, bass, guitar, and then I, I knew I was going to have, from the beginning, I knew I was going to have Mike 
come in and play lap steel. I saw him play lap steel with someone at Casa, and for some reason that night, what he played, I was like, oh, that's exactly, exactly the sound of uh, you know of of this song. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just waited till it was done, and then I, I asked him to come in. And he knocked it out in a couple hours. So Shago just, heard that, and we're like, nope, not touching it. Not touching Mike Fierstack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it's a it is a it is a disturbing song on some level, but it's a lovely one as well. So yeah, yeah, it's not it's not like there's no crisis in the song. You know, it's just kind of like there's kind of a resolution to everything. You know, it's kind of this peaceful for me. This it kind of takes me right back to that that like road, you know, and uh, which feels amazing. Like driving through uh, uh, Northern California and uh, you know Nevada yeah. is just like Arizona is just like just amazing yeah yeah especially arizona oh my god i've never been oh beautiful family trip if you have the chance like just but isn't the whole state of arizona incredibly racist this is what you will not notice when you're driving alone on a highway at night maybe (laughs) maybe i would notice it because i'm a brown guy Oh my God! I w- I'm not even. I, it's not. Is it? I don't know. This is a great question. No, this is a it's, great question. Oh, it's, I don't want to go down this road, particularly if we're going down a road in Arizona. Well, because well, because he just pardoned that sheriff, right? And he's yeah. in Arizona. That's right. God. Oh my God. Arizona is. Uh, I believe they were one of the only states to not uh, observe Martin Luther King Day. Are you serious? It's a bad place. Oh God! I would say I, to, I, I apologize to, <laughs> to anyone listening. I'm sure there's very good people there, as, as there are in all terrible places, and they have to endure terribleness. The, but I would not thing, be going to yeah. Arizona. The thing is, uh, touring in the states, everywhere I go, I meet amazing, amazing people. It doesn't matter where I go, oh. and then and then it's it's always it's so true though. There's so many. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah, I frequently talk about it on this show with my guests, but I'm not going to go down this road with you right now. I, 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 it's it's one of those things. There's like a there's like a ban on talking about certain things uh, with my with my brother on the phone. For us, we don't we never hang up. We just end up talking forever. About well, no, I think it's important. Then... No, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I think it's very important to talk about these things. But we are on an assignment, you and I, right now to go through your record and I. I could talk about it with you for for a long time, but I I feel like we should uh, keep focused here. I'm just trying to be a a good producer and host of my own podcast. And production is 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 key. It's good. It is. We're going to move on to a, a song called "East of Eden." a 14 minute song recorded by Gillian Welch called I Dream a Highway mm-hmm. now it's East of Eden from what I can tell in the liner notes here it says here East of Eden based on I Dream a Highway written by Gillian Welch what is the deal with this song 
Yeah. Do you not do you not hear it that I stole the melody? Did, no, I do that? hear it. Is that all? Oh. Yeah. No, I hear it. I just wanted oh, you yeah. to say it. I didn't okay, want. Great. I didn't want to accuse you of anything. <laughs> no, no, you can't. I, you know, no, I, I, I was listening to that song. Um, oh, for about I don't know, a year and a half. Like you know, just basically every day, every other day. And do you mean because it's fourteen minutes long? It's just so long. It took you a <laughs> no, year listen- and a half. <laughs> I, I listen to it at half speed. No, I listen to it all the time. Some something that is that's a very see that's one of, that's a song that is just like I want to talk to them. I want to meet them and uh, talk to them and find out, you know, how that song came about. If they, you know. Because it's just one of those things where that song has existed forever, I think, and it just it just wants to go on forever, and you just you can feel that there's a, a thousand more verses waiting to be written, and and there's no end, and there's no reason for it to end, and the way it ends is it doesn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. and um, and so uh, it got stuck in my head, and at at one point I was writing a song, and I, I don't think I even realized what I was doing, and I, I was I this melody was 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 the song and I you know and again like I I try not to think about it when I'm writing a song like if I've stolen something or not or because it's not really helpful because you're going to you're going to you should write it anyways figure out what you're trying to say and what's going on and and then you can take a step back and then reevaluate after and with this I I took a step back and I was like oh my god this is their song but I just kept I just kept singing it you know when it ended I didn't think it should end and I just kept singing <laughs> You know, my own lyrics, right. and then it became this other song, and then I had this alternate tuning, and I started playing it on on the guitar. That's what, and so then all of a sudden, I was like, "God, what's going on?" And so, uh, yeah, so I I I got I got in touch because I was like, you know, if it was someone else, I would have been like, you know, this is folk tradition, like this is how it goes, and I've things have been different in different ways, um, you know, with you know some melodies are close, but it's not worth you know. But I, I just, for some reason, for me, like I knew exactly that it was their their melody, so I wrote them and I got permission and all that, you know, to you know from from them to to use it, which was kind of a scary thing, you know, because the easiest thing would be, you know, I'm a Canadian singer songwriter. Who the heck's gonna <laughs> listen to my record? <laughs> what do they get? A, do they get like a songwriting yeah. credit now or something? Yeah, it's 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 their song now. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. their song. Oh, now it's yeah. It was it was more complex than anything, but uh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's like a yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I try not to get involved in things like that. You know, I'm just happy that I get to sing a song that you know that I didn't write the lyrics. I mean, write the melody too. You know? Well, <laughs> speaking of copyright infringement, East of Eden is a John Steinbeck novel. It was, I believe, James Dean's first film. I might be wrong about that, but it's a James Dean movie. <laughs> it, yeah. it has a life of its own as a as a title, I suppose. Why did you? Uh, why why did that uh, phrase or this turn of phrase or or this title "East of Eden" resonate with you? Um, well, I read "East of Eden" um, prior to re- writing this song, and it was one of the most. I think it's my favorite book that I've ever read. And um, I was reading it on tour, and uh, you know when you're you know when you're reading a good book or you're really connecting with something like. There's occurrences in your life that seem to really line up with what you're reading, and and you kind of resonates on like multiple levels. And it was kind of that was kind of happening. And yeah, I had that experience uh, reading uh, "Who Is Bugs Potter" by Gordon Corman. Did you ever read okay. that? <laughs> no, I haven't read it. It's about like a drummer. He wants to be a drummer, but he he can't. He's got to do it on the on the on the down low. That's, uh-huh. that's how I learned to play drums. I had to oh, ca- hide it from my parents. 
Yeah. That's not, not the easiest task. No. Great book. Yeah. Uh, oh, that wonderful Canadian classic. Who is Bugs Potter? That sounds great. By Gordon Corman. Yeah. I recommend that. You you keep telling me about John Steinbeck's uh, East of Eden, though. Yeah. I wish I wish Steinbeck were Canadian. That I could be like, I could be, I could have a good Canadian book to, t- to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, anyhow. So, yeah. I just kind of like fell in love with the book and, uh, and then I ended up, uh, you know, I didn't want the book to end and and uh yeah and it kind of just like I kind of thought about it and uh it kind of just worked into its like I, I I was kind of in love with the book like I've been in love with people which is crazy but and so it kind of everything kind of just meshed together and became this this uh you know I can't really I can't really I don't really know what the heck I'm doing but, but, but it, it just kind of worked like that I find a good know? a book like that frustrating cuz you know it's got to end and you never yeah. want it to end. I don't really yeah. want it to end, and that's frustrating for me. Yeah. No. Exactly. Oh, and, yeah. That's actually that, a line from your. That's a line. Literally, from the line. <laughs> She's just like a book. I don't want it to end. Yeah. That's how I hey, feel about certain books. What yeah. do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. No. Exactly. You know. So it's just like kind of how it goes. I was just reading this new book by. Uh, do you know uh, Montreal's Heather O'Neill? Yeah, I I sure do. Do you know her well? I well I she's uh she's she's best friends with one of my good friends so I get to I get a a glimpse of her genius every once in a while. Okay, well she just published a book <laughs> called The Lonely Hearts Hotel and I could not I just wanted to read it even when I like I usually reserve my reading for like the evening time before bed because uh, I my days are kind of packed but I just I just wanted to read it all the time. Uh-huh. And then it broke my heart at the end. Oh, and, oh and no. Anyway. I haven't read it yet. It's, I've been meaning to do it because I just never read these days because I'm just a complete slob of, of a man. But I've been meaning to read that. I'm so excited. It's, it's, so it's good. It's very good. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, I'm hoping to talk to her about it sometime soon, actually. I One of the, the recurring – so, yeah, she's just like a book I don't want it to end. So I guess I ripped off – I was wondering why I had that in my head, and I remember that I read it in your own in this very song. But the other lyric, no, I'm not the only one. No, I'm not the only one. At least I'm not the lone one. No, I'm not the only one. No, I'm not the only one. At least I'm not the I know I'm not the only one. At least I'm not the lonely one. Uh, that's a heartbreaking thing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. Eh? <laughs> I, yeah, that's yeah, a sad one. It's a sad, a sad. It's just line. a sad. It's a, that's yeah. a straight up sad line. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of like, some... uh, kind of soulless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No, that's fair. That's fine. We're gonna. I think we should move on uh, to the next song. On the sure. record, we're almost done. This is the penultimate song, Telluride. Throw the paper on the stack and run away if you haven't yet gone for ages, gone for good. It has been a while as it should Tell the right, tell the right, tell the right Tell the right, tell the right, tell the right 
is this in Colorado? It is. It's where I'm going tomorrow. You well, you have a slight state. obsession with Colorado. I mean, I, I, this great singer songwriter Gregory Allen Isakov was there, and uh, and uh, we went on tour a couple times. And I just love his music, and I visited him a couple times out there. And it's just, it is a beautiful state, very lovely. But uh, and when I was I was playing a show um, at his place, kind of this house show, and uh, some people there were t- talking about Telluride. And I'd never been, I hadn't even seen it written down anywhere that place or on a map or anything. But they were talking about Telluride and I just had all of these uh, ideas about, you know, what it would be like and uh, what it looked like. And I didn't go and I didn't do any research and then I wrote a song about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's just how it went. Yeah. It's just a destination in the song. Yeah. And is there it's- anything going on within the... It's essentially the chorus. It's another one of these sparse choruses of yours, I suppose. But is there anything going on in the in the verses that you feel like is worth mentioning? Oh yeah, um, I really liked. Um, I wrote this song um, in one shot as well the night before I wrote the Michigan song. It was like a really really nice period of time where writing was really easy, and uh, as the as the lyrics kind of got down, I found that. Uh, I was really happy about them. I really like the line. Um, I like singing the line about uh, everything white going blue and everything, you know. I've dressed up in poems And I've ridden on the rails And I've seen picture postcards And draped in the sails The white ones, they go blue Red ones go all green. One thing that I'm sure it's never the way that it seems. Tell the right, 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 tell the right. Yeah, I love singing that. I don't know why. It just kind of works for me. I love that point in the day around like. In the winter, around like five o'clock, um, when like if you have a white apartment, it just goes like that really, really rich blue of like um, early dusk, you know, that afternoon dusk that you get. Yeah. And uh, and for some reason, and then I remember as a kid, like I remember like how like noticing for the first time like those colors changing within your own bedroom, um, depending, you know, as, as things get darker. And I just remember like being so fascinated and confused you know yeah. i was so sure what the color of something was during the day and at night i was so utterly confused <laughs> by the by the color vanishing just just you know just light vanishing but yet i was like thought it was really astounding and yeah, somehow you, like that kind of like i kind of go there a little bit you're immersed in in your surroundings and nature in particular on this record mm yeah Hope maybe yeah. Well, that makes a, sense. <laughs> a lot of elemental stuff, a lot of outdoor stuff, uh, oceans and roads and places and skies. It's all there, I think. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's kind of where you know, especially when you're like touring as a musician. Like I like traveling, and so it's like the really enjoy um, being a musician because it's like you just have it, the deal is you travel to play music, so it's kind of nice. And I guess you end up seeing. I end up seeing way more of the world than I would have otherwise, so I'm quite grateful for that. Well, I think that uh, if I'm... I don't know if I'm right about this, but I feel like we're, we're in a good place to move on to the <laughs> closer of the record. Yeah. It's called Rest. 
For years I've been working And traveling alone I eat out in restaurants Where men wear clothes Recognized as a stranger Every place that I went Sometimes I just, sometimes I just close my eyes and begin my descent. And it seems to me to be quite autobiographical. Hey, that that sounds correct. Maybe. Is that accurate? Is this about I mean, you and your life as a musician a little bit? Everything is, uh, I mean, everything, everything's, I mean, I don't lie in the songs ever, really, but you know, so. There's something I think about they're the, all kind of. The first verse seems quite to, to, to capture the life that you lead. Yeah, it, it might, it might have to do with like one time where I got a, a grilled cheese sandwich and a Coke in, in Raleigh, North Carolina after a show one time. Maybe. I remember some guy really smelled like cologne, but it, I don't, this <laughs> is not exactly that. But this this notion of th- that rest is as good as sleep, which is the way the song ends, mm. uh, that's a good mantra to have when you're past the point of exhaustion. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's what's beautiful about it is that um, when you're really tired, that's when you need to sleep the most, and you're the most that classic thing of you're so stressed about getting to sleep you can't get to sleep yeah you're over <laughs> overtired is the, yeah. the term yeah yeah but no but the other thing where you're like oh i have to get up at 5 a.m it's 2 a.m i need to sleep right now yeah. and also i need to wake up at 5 a.m i can't miss it so you're just like it's 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 just like this confusion of like stress sleep yeah <laughs> what stress sleep exactly yeah like i'm gonna kill this sleep right now <laughs> yeah and so there's nothing better than just like you know what it's okay if you don't fall asleep as long as your eyes are closed it's like it's the best head it's the best possible headspace to fall asleep um if you're in that kind of place which is unfortunately often the case <laughs> so uh this is a song that ends this way it's framed this way about rest but is is that what it's about really I mean, when I was listening to it, um, when I recorded, I recorded it live with Adam, the sax player. Um, oh, that and, I uh, should yes, we should say that actually. It's a very unique. It's the most unique musical configuration on the whole record, really. Yeah, pump organ and sax. Yeah, and harp. Oh yeah, and harp. <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> it's uh, yourself and a fellow named uh, you. It's you on pump organ, and then it's yeah. Adam Kinner on saxophones and Sarah Page on the harp. Yeah, yeah, from the Bar Brothers. Um, we were on tour together, and at one point she was doing some soloing, and and uh, it was, I was just like, "Oh, that's exactly what's going to go on this song." She was soloing um, on a harp. Yeah, she yeah she like plugs it into a, an amp peg, like a like she's got distortion pedals and stuff, and she like is like as loud as like the electric guitar, and she like will just like chug away, and it's just amazing. Right. 
She's she's really, she's got a lot of attitude. It's great. <laughs> she's pretty smooth on this one. Right. But but actually her her I really like her amp sound. So it's like the harp is going through her amp. You know, kind of this really little bit distorted, just very lightly. You can't really tell. Right. Sounds good. Well, yeah. it's a it's again it's a lovely song. It's a lovely closer. And you and I just did it. We talked all about your album Twin Solitude. The only thing I don't think we got to is is its name. What is this? Oh. Uh, I thought a oh, human. Yeah. Do you know the the book by Hugh McLennan about the the two songs? Oh yeah. yeah oh there, yeah. I don't know. Is there something going on there? I forwarded it for my mom, and I was like, I'm going to read this, and then I didn't. I remember getting through a couple pages, and I was like, I feel like I know, and then I was like, I don't know, and I was like, I need to read this, and then it kind of. I felt the the obligation of of uh, a Canadian obligation to like read the whole thing really seriously, and I just haven't gotten around. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, what, uh, where it's does not it... really about it's, it has not, it's, it has nothing to do with it. It just, but it, I think I, I was I kind of don't like dialectics, and and I find that they end up like I don't know when you grow up if you have like I don't do you have like many siblings or one sibling or yes, I have a sister. Okay, yeah, and so. So you have one sibling. So you know when you're growing up, you kind of go like, either you're them or you're not them. Like, okay, well, she likes this, and so I like this. Yes. Or like, if that's yours, then this is mine. And if you didn't have a sister or if you had like uh, two sisters, you would end up having like, you wouldn't have this dialectic. You wouldn't have like this, you know. And I and I found that often like I was like kind of in, in my life, I would often just like be trying to, uh, yeah, I just, there, there's no point <laughs> in doing you know, you had like a you had a brother. The, you had a brother. I had a brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to cut up, cut up who you are based on like one other person or on on you know either or and all oh. this. And I just kind of like I don't know. I just kind of like I don't know. There's a lot of I, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in that title that that I don't really understand. But I thought it fit, and uh, and it, and whenever I thought whatever angle I I held it in the light, it would always make sense, and it would always seem to like help explain the songs. You you and, conjured the title, right? You didn't borrow it from something. No, I don't. I don't unless somebody uh, you know slipped it in you know in my subconscious. I yeah, I just kinda, I kind of just thought it was like a the right term, you know. Kind of there's like a kind of resolution to it, you know. That it's a uh, you know. It did. It, was, it, it did. Obviously, it made me think of of the of the again the novel Two Solitudes or the the notion of Two Solitudes, I guess, mm. which I believe has something to do with. Um, communication or a lack of communication or something like that. Um, yeah, but there's also like there's also other people that talk about it. Like there's Real K, and I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Um, you know that like um, to that love should be like the meeting of like two solitudes that greet each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's all this. There's all this. It's like not positive, and it's kind of like how it is. Like everybody's alone, not in like the you die alone kind of thing, but you everybody's their own person, and there's kind of this. Every communication is kind of like this, you know, is this twin, twin thing, you know, and, uh, and so just kind of, I, I try not to overthink. Yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. no, but like, you know, because, uh, whenever you, you try to, ex- whenever you try to explain it, you end up going back to, oh, that, you know, it just never comes out the same as when you just say it with all its open possibilities, you know? Yeah. I'm not, I wasn't like trying to be like, this is exactly what I mean. And devoid of other meanings, I just kind of want to let it kind of breathe on its own. And whenever I think about the title, it kind of like lets me, you know, think about whatever I want to think about. I feel like titles are—it's nice when the title frees you up to think about um, your own 
shit. <laughs> totally. No. Yeah, I, I think hopefully, you know, not to sound like I'm full of BS, which I am, but, <laughs> you know, but just hopefully not as particularly now. Yeah. Well, the record's a, a gorgeous one, and I appreciate uh, the fact that you went through it with me this way. I, I hope this was helpful or, or useful for you in some way. Um, it's always frightening talking about my own songs because I'm always it's it's very strange opening them up it's like it's like it's like uh it's like visit it's like uh visiting the patients that you know a couple years down the road yeah and you're like you're like i wonder did they make it you know did i botch that did i botch that job well i mean it's just my interpretation of of of, of your work i hope i didn't uh offend oh, not you at anything. all no yeah okay. oh no not at all no oh. no i just i always just get squeamish when i talk about my own songs but i felt like it went Relatively well, actually. Relatively well. I'm insulted. Yeah. I thought it went extremely well. This no, is an no, outrage. I meant my, my, my answers. Oh no, I your answers were great. Your answers were fine. Fantastic. You're oh, fantastic. Oh, oh. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, that's all I was hoping you would say. Uh, you mentioned uh, earlier that you were recording uh, your uh, a new record. I think. What were you? What are you referring to? Are you, you're obviously hard at work on a new album. Is that what you were referring to? Yeah, that's why I'm so tired. I'm like I'm I'm a little brain dead. I was I've been recording for the past week. I don't know what i was thinking i was like i had one week off this summer and i was like well i better record (laughs) (laughs) and uh is there is this is there any kind of continuity between the the sound and configuration of this record and the new one i you know what i i thought there was and uh and now i think there isn't (laughs) is it the same players um i don't know yet everything's kind of shifting oh i see it's all everything's very new and and confusing, so you know. Okay. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> but this record, it it was a departure for you in some major way, wasn't it? In terms of how you approached songwriting and sounds and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, this was all. It was the first time that I was like, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna produce this actually, and I was like, I'm gonna make sure. I knew what sound I wanted. I knew, like, I knew. I I literally bought the bass drum I wanted to use for the record. And I, and I, you know, knew that I wanted a ribbon mic on the ribbon mics on the piano. And I knew like everything, like I knew what sound I wanted and I felt like we got it, which was really exciting Mm -hmm. to like the sound in my mind became the sound on the records for the first time. What I was hearing in my head is what is, you know, on the, on the record. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing, but probably also frustrating because you got to chase that thing again. You got to chase that thing and that's exactly that. And it becomes this thing where I'm like, I I was a bit emboldened because I was like, okay, I know how to get the sound in my head, but the sound in my head changed. So I know how to get the sound that I used to hear, but I don't know how to get the new sound. Right. And so actually, this week was a bit frustrating. Right. Um, so I'm, I, I, I think I'm just going to, it's going to be uh, a, a different, it's going to be different. <laughs> Okay. No, that's fair. And I don't expect you to have too much to say about it at this early stage in the process, but I'm I'm yeah. I'm gratified to know that you're you're already working on new stuff because this is a, a stunning record and I, 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 I again I appreciate the time you take uh, to uh talk about it with me. Where can people learn more about you on the computers and their phones? Oh uh, well probably the best uh resource would be to um text my mom. She has a. She knows the most about me. Okay, and what and is your so, mother's phone 613 number? Yep. Eight eight uh, nine. Oh wait, I oh I guess I'm blanking. I'll I'll, I'll text. Well, it that to was you. convenient. <laughs> a convenient lapse. No, is there? What do you got? A website and stuff? Uh, yeah, website. I got my name, my complicated name, Lee Follebeck, L E I F V O L L 
ebekk.com. It basically just says all my shows because that's that's where you'll find out about me. <laughs> and you're on Twitter and Facebook. And I'm on Twitter and Facebook, the whole sh- shebang. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so people can go there. Is there a song we've been talking about uh, the record and uh, and playing? Uh, clips from the various songs we've been discussing but is there a song in its entirety that we can play for people right now from twin solitude leaf mm, is there one that you want to hear I, I for me like it's they're they're all they're all my babies <laughs> well as i mentioned earlier i was particularly effusive of the song elegy let's do that one that that sounds perfect to are me. you okay with that one being representative That's, of of the record? i think i think it is it's the one that was the hardest to get and uh the one that I think uh, I'm really happy with, for sure. Also, I love the string players on them, too. So Yeah, and it reminds me of the Jesus Lizard, because they had a song called Elegy. They did? Yep. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't yeah, sound I, I, like this one at all. Yeah. I never Google, if I write it something, I never Google titles, because I don't want to find out what, you know, in this in the internet age, it's so easy to like be like, oh, it's been taken, or it's this, or it's that. So I try to stay ignorant. And I'm just very a, good at staying ignorant, yeah. like Sir John in a pen, you know. <laughs> just a heads up, uh, the, the title East of Eden has been taken a couple, oh, yeah. couple times Get now. Out. Yeah. Get out now. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, a beautiful, beautiful song called Elegy from Twin Solitude by Leif Volebeck. Leif, thank you so much for being on my show and going through your record, and I wish you the best of luck with everything you do from this point forward. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Jacket and a black bandana Kicking over trash cans And telling jokes in Atlanta When I got the fever It hit me like a fan On the back of my hand I don't know who I am But I'm free for nothing Good for nothing too Crazy dreams Still crazy about you Won't you let me in one more time Babe, I wanna feel it too well, nothing is a lie, babe, if you know it ain't true Take a look at me now Take a look at me now Reparations now coming my way Dues I've recollected that I never paid Stained glass windows, babe I feel the presence, oh yeah But that don't mean I'm done with repentance, oh no Gonna find another way to climb out of this basement Gonna find out what that smile on your face meant Like a thief that you borrow, baby Take a hold of me, take flight do your bidding, babe I wanna steal away in the night Take a look at me now Take a look at me now Hearts on fire, so is the page 
Everybody around here is telling me to act my age I'm trying Things are only revealed In the light that is given Oh, to be free from the pardon When all else is forgiven Rain outside's blowing in the curtains Nothing is revealed But nothing is for certain I recall you was drinking from the sanctuary wine Well, don't worry, baby We'll find all of our lost time Take a look at me now Take a look at me now As I recall you were standing there You was holding the rosary beads Seven ugly reasons kept me away from you then Ooh, Nothing is much weaker than the resolve of most men I remember when we was alone in your room Staring out your window, we knew you'd be going soon And I was so young, babe, I hoped that you knew that I meant well And when I looked in your eyes, I thought I knew you could tell Now I'm blown back from the cemetery gates You who I love dearly now I must wait To be reunited in the sky when it opens Well, my feet are so tired, baby But my spirit ain't broken Take a look at me now Take a look at me now Was Elegy, my favorite song from this beautiful record by Leif Volebeck. It's called Twin Solitude. Thank you very much to Leif for spending so much time with me and discussing each and every song. I enjoyed that one. I hope you did too. I think Leif did. We talked about Bob Dylan and a bunch of other stuff. It was cool. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Thank you, Leif. This is the 344th episode of Creative Control a podcast available on such platforms as iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and many others. If you can't find everything you're looking for, visit my website, vishkana.com, where most, well, all, every single episode is definitely accessible 
on my website, vishkana.com. You can learn more about me there as well. Like Creative Control with Vishkana on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me at vishkana. And you can listen to a version of this program, which is sometimes the normal podcast and sometimes just a freeform radio show every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world. You can stream the show at CFRU.ca or if you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo area, 93.3 FM. Also, visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep the podcast going. And for your efforts, I will send you a t-shirt while supplies last. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. For more information, visit planetbeancoffee.com and... Granddad's Donuts, located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. Best donuts anywhere. Visit granddads.ca for more information about those things. All right, that's it for another in-depth album analysis. I think there's more to come if all goes well. I'm trying to go through as many of the Polaris Music Prize shortlisters as I can and maybe some other records, too. I'm kind of enjoying this, and I think the artists are really enjoying it, too. So... That's, uh, that's, that's what might be coming up. Again, please feel free to rate, review, download episodes of the podcast, but definitely rate and review and subscribe to it on all the aforementioned podcast platforms. All that kind of stuff helps. And yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.